Well, again, good morning. Good morning to all of you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Pastor's Lesson, Sharon Hayes here this morning. Greet all of you in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank God for this day, new day that he's made as we're coming this morning, entering his gates with thanksgiving, coming in his course with praise, rejoicing in the Lord who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world that shines in all of this gross darkness that's out there on the land and on the people this morning. But God is still on his throne this morning. He's still reigning from above, from heaven above with wisdom, knowledge, and love this morning. And so we thank the Lord this morning for the shower of his blessings that came upon us this morning. We thank God for the renewing of our minds, our spirits this morning. We thank God for that surge of vitality that just went through our bodies this morning as we got on the call this morning and began to join in into that spiritual harmony this morning and just join in and add your amens and your hallelujahs and your thank you jesus entering his gates with thanksgiving coming in his courts with praise may he inhabit all the praises of his people this morning amen everything that have breath ought to praise ye lord you take the honor you receive all the glory and praise this morning as we bless you with the fruit of our lips giving thanks hallelujah to our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to our great God and deliverer. Amen. El Shaddai, God Almighty, oh blessings. We bless you this morning. We praise you this morning. Let's pray this morning. Abba, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is your kingdom, the power and the glory, Lord. It belongs to you. And we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor this morning, Lord. You take that honor, Lord God, because, Father, it's, it's yours, oh, Lord God. And we bestow it upon you. We bless you with it this morning, Lord God, because you have already exalted above all else your name and your word. And you have magnified your word above all your name. Oh, we bless you this morning and we praise you this morning, Lord God. So thank you for another day, Lord, brand new day, Lord. And we, so we thank you this morning as we come in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of your son, Jesus. Now, Father, speak to us this morning. Open up these revelations. Reveal to us this morning what it is that you would like us to learn and know today about you, about your revelation, what the scripture says about you, what it teaches about you, advises and warns us about you and our own behavior and conduct, oh, Lord God, as we... Uh, learn that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that obeying him and keeping his commandments is how we please the Father. This is our desire this morning, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. All right this morning. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you again this morning, all of you for joining us. And we're coming this morning, this Monday morning, uh, to talk about the revelations of Jesus Christ, you know, uh, those seven levels of proof that we really know God, uh, those seven tests that prove that we know him. And last week we talked about how that assurance should be based on spiritual truth, the spiritual knowledge. You know, it shouldn't just be uh, a, a figurative thing or, you know, something natural. It's got to go beyond that. Amen. And it's got to become spiritual because we're, we're not spiritual beings. We've been saved by God's spirit. We've been filled with God's spirit. We've been sealed with God's spirit. And the truth of God is inspired by God. So it has us, it has a spirit spiritual, amen, level of reality that we have to embrace because the word of God is spiritually discerned. And this is why God sent the spirit of truth to help us to understand 
the, the spiritual aspects of God. Because if we're going to worship God, meaning we're going to serve God and live for God, we got to be able to do it in spirit and in truth and not just uh, be restricted or limited to the natural realm. Amen. And this is the spiritual proof that we have. This is how we pass the test. You know, we might be able to do all the, the, the law and all of that, you know, and do all the, the physical things. But my God, and miss God in the spiritual realm. It's kind of like what he told the two churches that uh, in the in the book of Revelation, the first two chapters, there were seven churches in Asia Minor, and two of those churches, the Lord said, I do not, I don't have all with you, but I do have something against you, something to settle with you. And the fact was, theologically, they were tight. They knew the word, you know, they knew it. They knew of him, but he said, but you have departed your love for your first love. So they didn't really love the people like Jesus loved the people. They, they loved being Christians. They loved telling everybody that they were saved and, you know, and all of that. They loved that. They, they loved the form of godliness. They loved the ceremony aspects of it. But that, that, that first love, you know, they didn't love everybody. You got people like that today. They only want certain class of people in their churches or, or want to be in a relationship with them. And they try to associate how much money you have, the car you drive, the clothes you wear as, as being a Christian. And everybody who don't measure up to that standard, they do not think that they are, they are, they are, they are men and women of God. They're children of God. But Jesus said the pool you're always going to have with you. So that debunks and dispels that lie. And the Lord said, look, I die for everybody. God so loved the world. All, everybody out there, the poor, the, the orphans, the widows, you know, everybody, the lame, the sick, the leprous, you know, everybody he loved, you know, the equally the same. He has no respect to person. So, you know, that's that spiritual uh, part of God right there, you know, where you when you're walking in the spirit, see, you don't see flesh. You don't count flesh. You dismiss flesh. You go beyond flesh, you know, because there's something about the spirit, amen, that's, that's genuine, that's pure, you know, that's holy, that's consecrated, that's separated, you know, from anything else. And this is how God uh, wants us to be assured that we know him is that we walk in the spirit as he is the spirit. And part of that is the spirit of truth is what we are dealing with. We're learning about the spirit of truth and how that operates in us. Amen. First, it sanctifies us and purifies us and makes us holy before God. Now God can use us as his consecrated, separated, called out, set aside vessels, meet for the masters, you said the scriptures say. You know, and then we, we, we learn every day how to die to this flesh because we know the flesh will take us back instead of moving us forward. And so we die to it every day. So it has no power. It has no strength. It has no influence. And we now can just walk in the light as he is the light. We can now go walk in truth. Amen. We can speak truth, deal with truth. We can be about truth. We can live truth. We can be free to go forth by that truth. Amen. And share that truth with others that will make them free. Amen. And tell them about Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And no man can come to the Father except by him. So we finished up talking about that, you know, as we hereby do know that we know him if we keep his commandments amen that's the first test you know do we obey his commandments and you have to do it in a spiritual sense just like you do in the natural sense and we went over several passages of scriptures uh in the first book of john chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 and we went down in verse 4 told us that you know he that saith i know him and uh, keeping not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him and so that professing man that does that, you know, says he knows God, but do not obey his commandments. See, that's that's just a lie. You know, you got to be able to do what it is that you say. 
preachers out there got to be able to live what they preach. They can't just say y'all do this and they do this and, you know, and, and leave themselves exempt. It starts in the pulpit and then it goes out to the parking lot or wherever that word is going to travel. But a lot of times it's not so much what we say. It's also what we do. It's what we live because the Lord said, be not a forget for here, but a doer of the work. See, the work is spiritual work. Amen. It's spiritual work. Amen. Because what you do to please God, amen, is based on what the spirit of God is leading you to do. Now, if you go out here and do a lot of things on your own and think you're going to impress God, God get no glory out of that where everybody's talking about what you did and not what God did through you. And see, that's the spiritual part of it because when, when God is working through you, you ain't got to tell nobody God's working through you. The Holy Spirit will let them know it was God because it'll be so incredible and so amazing. They'll be like, well, my God, that had to be God. That was just impossible for man to come up with. You know, David understood this when he says such such knowledge is just too far from me. I can't comprehend it, Lord. I go all the way up there. I can't. If I come all the way back, no matter where I go, Lord, I cannot be separated from you. You're always there. You know, what is God there for? God is there, man, because he wants to reveal and make himself known to you, whether you're in a high place or whether you're in a low place or whether you won't even ground. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's all knowing. He's all powerful. He's all loving. And so David said, there's no way I can go from your presence. You know, see, the presence of God ain't just limited to Sunday morning in the church. When you walk out of the church, God is there too. When you come back to church, God is there too. God is omnipresent. And see, that's the spiritual aspect of God that people don't always recognize because they're so driven toward God, uh, that form of God, you know what I'm saying, that, that work of righteousness and not the spiritual, um, you know, worship of God in spirit and in truth. Amen. And the only way that can happen is you got to move away uh, and elevate your thinking away from religion. Religion is that system created by man, you know, where there's a lot of false inconsistencies, a lot of false uh, characteristics that people put on display just long enough to deceive people. You know, they act a certain way, but man, when they get away from it, they're like hypocrites. You know, they're like hypocrites. I wish them old people, them, them old church, I, you know, they talk about you like a dog from the pulpit. Put your business in the street. You can't trust them. You go to them for counsel. They're telling you you need to go away and pray more. But you're my, you're my leader. Pray with me right now. Don't let me come back Sunday and hear what I confided with you on Wednesday coming across the pulpit. You know, that's not right. But see, that's what the flesh does. You know, that's that, that's that religious spirit, you know. False inconsistencies. Got the people confused, you know, these characteristics. But we say we're passing the test that you will know that we know him. We love him. You know, we have a relationship with him, you know. And so... It's, it becomes very obvious that you've been with the Lord when you speak with the tongue of the learned. And this is why we're continuously learning and growing, because if we stop learning, there is no more growth in the things of God. And then we see the commands of Jesus Christ, okay? He has commands, and there's, there's things in the teaching that he commands us to do that prove that we know him. That's another test. You know, uh, some of those uh, commands is, is in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 20, King James Bible. When it talks about teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. Amen. So when, if God really sent us out, I didn't say now if you went out on your own, talking about God told you to go start a ministry over there in the club and went all them folks in the club. You know, it doesn't sound like God to me, you know. But if you know God and God sends you out versus you going out, 
you know, and there's a lot of people have gone out versus being sent out. It's a difference. If God sends you out, God going to, you know, make sure you are equipped with everything you need. See, that's the spiritual part of it. He ain't going to send you into a place where the ministry can be evilly spoken of. Why would God do that? That's kind of counterproductive. So a lot of these people coming up with all these here, you know, wonderful things saying that God spoke to them in a dream. God spoke to them in this. God spoke to them in that. It has to be documented in the scripture. See, because, because that's the spiritual assurance. It has to be backed up by these commandments of God. And if you look at how God sent others out, it ought to be some similarity when he sends you out. It's easier to prove who he is and that you know him. When you're doing the works that he did and greater works because the spirit of truth is with you. He's walking alongside of you. He's the paracletos. He's the helper. He's the comforter. You know, he is the counselor, you know, and if he's working through you, it'll be obvious. The Bible said that that gift man's gift in him makes room for him and brings him before. And some of us have testified to the gift of God that's in us, you know, and it's used for edification, you know. And, and, and God always will give the increase. We were talking about that yesterday. That seed we plant, it's not our seed. It's the seed of the word. It ain't about no $1,000 seed and, you know, at your feet. See, that's what a lot of people do. They think that's the truth. It's not based on what's documented. You know, he, you know he, he said the seed is the word. The book of Mark, the fourth chapter, says the word, the, the word is a seed. And once that seed is planted, that's given to the sower, there will be a harvest. Okay, now there'll be weeds and there'll be, you know, there'll be issues of life that'll come and try to choke that word and drown that word out. But you let God, let the weed and tap grow together. You just plant the seed. You might be watering it and trust God to give the increase. See, that's the spiritual part of it that, that people don't understand. That there's seed time and harvest as long as the earth remains. You got to get that. That ain't, that ain't talking about money. You know, that he's talking about the word being that seed. But he speaks in a language that, that people that he dealt with in that age could, could understand. And we got to be able to speak in the age we're living in so that people can understand. The same word has the same impact. We got to trust it. It's still the power of God and the salvation. The truth he wants you to know. The truth can make you free. And if the son sets you free, he's free indeed. He is the living word. He's the living word. So when you're speaking about Jesus and talking about Jesus, you're actually planting Jesus seeds. And if you're you planting Jesus seeds, you're going to get Jesus fruit. You're going to get all those characteristics and spiritual attributes that was in him produced in those people who hear and receive the word. And coming back, boy, according to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 11, King James Bible. And so we see that commission that he gave to us to go out and do that as believers, as his chosen, uh, called out, consecrated, separated vessels that he wants to work through. And, you know, and in the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 5, the King James Bible, it says, and when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other one was. You know, and so, and so even in anger sometimes, God's character still allow him to be God and to do miracles, you know, because he, he's teaching here by example. And he told us, be angry, but sin not, you know, be angry, get over it, but you still got to do the work. Some people get angry and stay angry. And every Sunday, their message is one of anger, anger and beat the people, beat the people, dogmatic, you know, never, never, never no love, you know, stand off it. Don't want nobody to get close to them. But they'll tell you in a minute, you know, go talk to the elder over there. Go talk to the deacon. They want to, well, I'm, I'm protecting my anointing. What anointing? The anointing for to destroy the yoke, not have you to hide from the yoke. 
You know, you, you're the anointed one. You, you're, you're the one that's like, supposed to be like Christ, doing signs and wonders and miracles following you because you believe. And you've got 19 armor bearers hiding you from the, from the people that have need, have problems. But look, at, look right here what happened. He was angry, you know, no doubt. But he didn't sin because there was no way he could sin. He didn't give in to the flesh. He stayed in the spirit. He did what the Father commanded him to do when he came. You know, he was touched by that compassion. He was grieved by it. But he still, you know, did what he did. He was a healer. He was, he was moved with compassion. That overrode anything natural, anything physical. And he operated in the spirit. You know, he discerned in the spirit that, you know, they need to be free from this. You know, and he freed them, you know. Probably told him to go and sin no more. You know, we, we know how the th thing goes. And he goes on in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 19, the King James Bible. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Duh. He says, this do in remembrance of me. Now, you, you know, you got to understand, you have to really have a spiritual understanding here to be able to discern. You're taking natural bread and natural juice from grapes. And you're talking about this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you come together. That, it really, when you think about that, unless you go into the spirit realm and understand what he's talking about spiritually, you know, his crucifixion, you know, his body that's going to be broken, that blood that's going to be shed. This is where he's operating at. He's operating from a spiritual platform here. And they're probably sitting there, man, trying to figure out what is he talking about. Nevertheless, you know, everything will be made known and revealed to them as it is fulfilled. Because no matter what they thought or how they felt, it wasn't going to stop what Jesus had came to this earth to do. Now, they were either going to have an opportunity to participate or they were going to reject. And some did doubt and some did walk away. But nevertheless, Jesus still walked in the truth of all those prophecies that had been foretold, all that the Father had commanded him to do. Remember now, there was a commission given before came to this earth. He had an opportunity to give up the bitter cup. He had an opportunity to say, no, Father. But he said, I'll go, send me. And, and God sent his only begotten son. We, at the time, didn't realize he was actually the spirit of, he was actually uh, Jesus Christ, the, the incarnated word of God, the way, the truth, and the life. So he didn't come with a bunch of uh, uh, deception. He didn't come with a bunch of tricks and isms and schisms. No, he came as the son of God. You know, Bought that message from the Father that was going to be the truth that could make people free, you know. And he came in the spirit of wisdom, in the spirit of knowledge, in the spirit of understanding, the spirit of truth, you know. You know, and that's who he was. That's who he was when he was with them. Even though he was also fully man, he was also fully God. He was still the truth, the way and the way back to the Father. He was still the reconciler, you know, the repair of the breach. You know, he was still all of those characteristics were still in him. It was just at the time he had to be a man so that he could show them that you don't have to fear the law, okay, because I'm going to fulfill it to take the pressure off of you. And I'm going to give you grace so that my grace will be sufficient for you. I'm going to earn it for you. I'm going to purchase it for you so that you, when I redeem you, you can go forth and say, you know, I am the redeemer of the Lord. Because his grace has been sufficient for me. And so, see, that's the spiritual part of it that they didn't really get right away. But they, 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 they would, as time went by, and as he broke the bread and had that last supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me. You know, do this in remembrance of me. You don't get any more spiritual than that.
You're leaving physically. How am I going to do this in remembrance of you? You got to do it in the spirit of what he said, not just the physical part of what he said. And so many people today, they're stuck in the ceremonial aspects and they don't get the spiritual implication there because they put on the white glove. They change the robe. They got to have a red and white robe, a purple and white robe. <clears throat> they got to have people putting sheets and all going out, you know, ironing sheets, putting over the sacraments and all that. And never teach the people, what is the spiritual implication here? That if you don't do this in remembrance of me, people, they sleep. That means they die because they have violated the ordinances of God. You know? And so it's not about the ceremonial aspects of it. God don't look at how clean your white glove, your white sheets are. He look at how clean your spirit is, you know, or, 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 your, or your intentions pure. You know, have you been sanctified by my spirit when you do this? Or there's still some stuff in your life and you up here handling the sacraments with dirty hands and a dirty heart and a dirty spirit. Don't even like everybody standing around there with you, you know. Deacons and ushers around there holding the sheet up, washing the hands of the, of the priest, and, and, and they got issues in their life. You see, you're not having, you haven't made the transition yet and out of the natural into the spiritual. And this is what he's telling his disciples here. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, I'm with you now, but when I leave, the comforter, the paraclete, he going to come and make you disciples and baptize you. And so now when you come together and do this in remembrance of me, remember, you have to consecrate yourself and, and separate yourself and sanctify yourself from the rudiments of this life. You can't just come in here and because you've got white sheets and white gloves and red and white robes and you got junk and mess up in your spirit. And think that you're doing this in remembrance of me. That's a lie and the truth ain't in you. So you got to sanctify the heart, not wash your hands with, with natural water and think that you clean before God. He said, you know, pray. God created me a clean heart, renew within me a right and a steadfast spirit. So that when I do this in remembrance of you, I'm doing it in truth. I'm doing what you commanded me to do in remembrance of you. You know, and then he goes on to say there, man, you know, um, in the book of John, chapter 13, verse 34, the King James Bible, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. This is exactly what we're talking about. People doing and participating in stuff, man, on, on the surface, but don't even like each other. Don't even like each other. Don't have no time to come and consecrate themselves and, and get themselves right. Anytime that we do communion, we always minister to people. Out of the book of, 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 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I think it's verse 23 to the end of the chapter. And we give people the chance to repent. If there's somebody you got ought with in the church, go over there, close your eyes, go over there, everybody go over there and get right with them. You don't just come in there, man. I don't, I don't need to do communion. I want to participate in communion. It ain't, it ain't about communion. It's about doing what Jesus said in remembrance of him. And if you understand he has forgiven us of our sins and have forgiven us of their sin, when you come in, you too have to be forgiven. You can't just come in and partake of stuff. You know, and think that's going to just make you right. No, you got to get rid of the mess. You got to repent of your sins and then be clean and be pure. That's the part that people don't get sometimes. And so how can you be doing it in remembrance of him by just going through the motions? You know, and he goes on in, in chapter 14 of John, in verse 15 of King James Bible, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You do it the way he said do it. You know, that's, that's the spiritual part of it. If your spirit is right, then guess what? You can walk in the spirit. You can be led by the spirit. 
to do the right thing. Why? Because you're in the presence of God. Verse 21 of that chapter, John, book of John, chapter 14, the King James Bible says this, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. See, he ain't manifesting himself to everybody. He gives you specific instructions here of who he's manifesting himself to. So all these folks out here saying, you know, God said this and God said that. No documentation. We need to understand what the word says so that we can validate what they're saying based on the word, not based on their title. Too many people have been seen because of a title. He must be, it must be God because they're a bishop, they're apostle, they're this, they're that, they're prophetess. And you know God used them. He don't use no false prophet or prophetess. He don't use no false teacher or preacher. Everything we say need to be documented, backed up by the word. If not, you know, it's hypocrisy. It's false teaching. It's false proclamation. It's false publishing of a different gospel. You know, all of God's word is interpreted by the word. You don't need no private interpretation. You know, if it's thus say the Lord, then say what does say the Lord and be done with it. That's the power. It ain't your power. That's the truth God wants you to know. And he wants you to be sanctified by that truth. You know, it'll work on your spirit. It'll convict your spirit when you hear it. He goes on to say in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 10, the King James Bible, if you keep my commandments, you shall what? Abide in my love. I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. See, this is what Jesus is saying. I'm not trying to tell you to do what somebody else did. I'm trying to show you to do what I did. You can do this if you do what I did. And then you can move on and do greater than what I did. Why? Because my father going to love you the way he loved me if you love me, if you accept me. But if you reject me, my father going to reject you. Because my father and I are one. So, you know, walk in the spirit of that spiritual harmony. Be in harmony with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit until you come into that perfect unity, that knowledge of the Son of God. See, he came to represent the Father and the Spirit. And until he left, you knew the Spirit because after he left, he said, I'm going to pray to the Father that he send you a comforter. And, uh, see, you knew him because Jesus told you about him. And then when he came, bam, a revelation went off to them that this is what he was talking about. It is expedient that I leave so that the promise of my father can come, which is the spirit of truth. He's going to teach you all things, bring all things back to your remembrance that I taught you while you was here. So you don't forget as you go forth, walking in truth, dealing in truth, speaking truth, teaching in truth, in love without compromise. See, when you keep it in that, 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 that perspective, they're not take it all, trying to add to it, trying to twist it a little bit, spruce it up a little bit. They try to win folks over. That's false teaching. That's a false way. See, but see, God's word don't come back for it. Do exactly what he sent it out there to do. You know, if it's healing, it heals. If it's set the captive free, it sets them free. And they're free indeed. You know, it goes on to say in, in, in Acts, the 10th chapter, verse 42, the King James Bible says, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that, listen now, that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. See. Remember now, he is the word of God. And what did the book of uh, Acts, the fourth chapter, say about the word of God? It is powerful. I'm sorry. Uh, I think that's the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, the King James Bible. Yes. It said the word of God is powerful. It's quick. Now, Jesus is the word of God. When he speaks, something quickly happens that didn't happen before. 
See, that word is whether it's whether it's Jesus, the incarnated word, whether it's rhema, the, the, you know, the, the living word, or whether it's logos. It's the word that has the power and it's quick and it's sharp and it's proper. Then it is two-edged sword. It cuts the tongue between the dividing of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart of man. So whether you got Jesus there, the living word, or whether you just reading your Bible, the logos, or whether that word is being preached to you and taken off the pages by an anointed vessel of God and it turns into rhema, living, quickening. It says it's for the quick and the dead. You know, because if you dead spiritually, the word of God prophesies to you and you come alive. It sets you free from, from, from sin is, is death. And what the word does, it has the power to quickly set you free if you believe it. It'll set you free. It'll set you free from spiritual death and it'll bring life to you because the word of God, according to the book of John chapter 6, verse 6, is spirit and life. It quickens your mortal mind. It quickens your mortal body. It convicts you. It cuts you. It penetrates. It's impenetrable. It does exactly what God sent it to do, to free those who are enslaved to sin, you know. And, and this is what Paul was telling them, you know, that, that, that God, you know, who ordained Jesus Christ, the living word of God, to come and be, you know, to be that, 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 that spotless lamb, okay, you know, will judge by the word, the quick and the dead, you know. Either you're going to be quick to reject or you're going to be quick to accept. And we saw all of that when Jesus was on this earth. We see it today. It's going on today. People walk away. They don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear about cars and houses and how to get this and how to get that material stuff. They don't want to know how to be prepared for eternity. That can happen just like that suddenly. He goes on to say in the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 3, the King James Bible. Now, we're talking about these tests that prove we know God. You know, when he commands us to do something, do we do what he commands us to do? In the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 3, the King James Bible, it says this right here. But have in due times manifested his word, listen now, through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandments of God, our Savior. Listen to what Paul is saying here now to, to the church and, and, and this, this, this bunch of believers here through Titus. Another one of Paul's sons here. Another one of Paul's apostles, Paul's preachers, Paul's bishops. You know, he says, hey, you know, you, I understand the truth that Paul passed on to me. I didn't, I didn't have to come up with my own truth. God has given enough truth right here that if we would just go deal in the truth, speak the truth in love without any compromise. Don't add nothing to it. Don't put no private interpretation. Don't mix a little bit of this with a little bit of that. Don't go with the, you know, the, the philosophy of men, the, the wisdom of men, the wisdom of this world. Don't go with your, with your excellency of speech or your enticing words. Go in a demonstration of the spirit and power of God, the spirit of truth that's right there with us. To bring everything back to our remembrance, to give us what to say when we need to say it. And say that and be done with it. You don't have to add anything else to it, you know. This is what Titus is saying here, you know. He said, as, as commandments of God our Savior. So don't let it be your commandments and your rules and your bylaws, but let it be the commandments of God spoken through you by the Spirit. He goes on to say in the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, uh, the King James Bible says, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of, uh, on, on his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, look at, how, look at how that is arranged there. 
the first thing he says that you should do is that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. See, if you miss that step right there, ain't no need of you trying to love nobody else. Ain't no need of you trying to give nobody no commandments of God. It doesn't work. Most of the time, people are looking at you how you live your life, and you up there telling them about they should keep the commandments of God, obey God, and they know you got, you, you know, you walking funny. You, you ain't living right, but you telling them what they should do. And there are a lot of people who are doing that. Got a lot of people to see because people are afraid of the title that you hold. And some folks out there have behind that title. I'm not giving you no specific, but you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of folks out there that have behind the title. They wear it like armor. And some people are afraid of the title. They're not afraid and fear the God that's in you because there ain't no God in you. But it's a title on you. And that's what they fear. The title. You know, the position you're in. They don't fear the God that's in you. I don't want people to fear me. I want them to fear the same God I fear with holy reverence. That there's just some things like David said, I'm not going to do again. It's too costly. It's too priceless. David lost children. They turned against him. You know, David lost a wife. David lost a, a baby. David understood. There's just some things I'm never going to do again, Lord. Create in me, God. A clean heart, renew within me, a right spirit. He knew his mistake. He knew what he had messed up. He was the king. He had the title of the greatest king of Israel, and he blew it. But thank God that God had already spoken beforehand that he was going to be a man after God's own heart. So he was already ordained by God to repent when that time came, to, to ask God not to take his Holy Spirit from him. See, God had put that, that nature in him, and he had to contend with that. Even though he had to deal with his sin, he did. He asked God to forgive him. He asked God. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. He got it right with God. But if, what if it, that seed was not in him before he went into Bathsheba? Before he did all that sin. There was nothing in there that the Holy Spirit could bring conviction. And when he wrote Psalm 51, that's what he, that's what he was saying. I messed this up. I, help me. Get me over this. Get me through this. I'm never going to do this again. You know. And so they said repentance is good for the soul. You know. And so we see that right there, man. Give us, you know, as he gave us commandment. If we do it as he gave us commandments, we should be fine. So verse 5 of this chapter, chapter 2 of the first book of John, uh, we're going to go there now, says, But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Okay? Mean, that word perfected, they're talking about, you know, it matures. It changes. It grows. It makes you better. It moves you from being immature, lack of knowledge, to being having knowledge revealed to you, and not just natural knowledge, not just, as we say, logos, written word, not just the law, but the spirit of it all, you know, the rhema, the living portion of it. You know, we say organization, but then we say organism, something that's living, you know. Mm -hmm. And some people just teach according to the law, but they never un help you understand the spirit of the law. That's where Jesus came in at. In other words, Jesus came to say, if you keep all of the law, then you're good. But if you violate any of the law, you have violated all of the law. You see? And so that's why Jesus did away with it, because he did not want anything, okay, to rise above the spirit of the law. You know, it was given to really help them to understand the need they have for God. Yes, yes, yes. Not to go out and create you some gods, not to make you some idols in the place of God. 
but they had violated and broke that relationship because of those idols, because they had moved away from the truth. What the prophets had prophesied, the Messiah, you know, the, to, unto us a child was going to be born, unto us a son was going to be given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, they, 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 they rejected that prophecy. They beheaded and killed some of the prophets telling them about this God they couldn't see. You know, they wanted this calf, this image, you know, that they could see. And, and, you know, and a lot of times, you know, faith is what you don't see, but it's what you hope for. And they was hoping for the Messiah, and he came. And they didn't recognize him. He was full of grace, full of truth, right there dwelling among his own people. And they didn't even recognize him. Praying for something, looking for something, wanting something, expecting something. And then he shows up, the incarnated word of God made flesh, dwelling among them. And they don't even recognize him. He's just as full of grace and truth as he could ever be. See, when you got the wrong spirit, you'll miss God. When you operate in the wrong spirit, flesh, you will miss God because you're so caught up in pleasing the flesh. And the Lord is coming in the sanctuary, walking among them, and they don't even recognize him because you got the wrong spirit in there in charge. And the Lord leaves. He, you know, he, he, the Holy Spirit is so quenched, you know, he's so rejected that he just removes his presence. And now you got all this emotion and all this ceremony and all this performing and hyping people up and they thinking that they in the presence of God. And all they in there, man, you know, gratifying that flesh. And the Bible said that, you know, they who, who worship the Lord must worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. You know, and so, you know, he says it right here, but you got to keep his word. And in him verily is the love of God perfected. It's matured. Hereby know we that we what are in him. So the obedient man now, okay, obeys God's word. Because like Peter, I don't, Peter said, I don't care what happens. I was in prison. It was the Lord who broke the foundation up and let us walk out free while the people were back at home praying. The power of God showed up, you know. And Peter said, with that truth, with that spiritual insight, as we were praying, God moved, God answered. Because we weren't praying in the flesh. We were praying in the spirit and by the spirit. He said, do you not understand? It's better for me to obey him, yeah. you know, than for me to obey man, you know. And, and because, you know, Peter knew what the Lord had told him. Peter knew that when he told the Lord, you know, who he was. Peter knew that personal uh, testimony <coughs> was, was, was convicting his spirit in his heart because now he's seeing these realities. Now this truth is being revealed to him by the spirit. And there's just some things you can't deny. When the spirit of truth is convicting you based on what God has said to you, bringing it back to your remembrance, you're going to have to put up or you're going to have to shut up. There's just sometimes things are just undeniable. It was God all along, all the time, from the beginning to the end and throughout. It was God. He didn't forsaken Peter. He didn't abandon Peter. He had already told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. That's okay. I'm not the one trying to sift you. Satan is at the door trying to sift you. But I prayed for you, Peter. Now see the result of those prayers are coming back to Peter. And Peter said, no, no, no. Y'all don't understand. His spirit is in me. He lives in me. It's like Paul said, it ain't I no more. 
I can't be ashamed no more. I can't deny him no more. It's better for me to obey him than to obey man. He got me out of that dungeon. He got me out of that prison. He freed me. And when he makes me free, I'm free indeed. Y'all put me in there and put me in chains. It was the Lord who bought me out, broke my chains, freed me. So I got to obey him. It's better for the obedient man that I obey him and not man. And see, an obedient man would do that. They will obey God's word, as we see here with Peter. Uh, you know, verse 6 goes on to say, And he that saith he, okay, abideth in him, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So the responsible man, now you see the obedient man, he matures to become the responsible man, okay? If you're obedient to God's word, there will be some corresponding action where the responsibility, you would, you would take it and you would treat it like it's real serious, like it's the most important thing you ever do. See? He, in other words, if you confess that you know Jesus Christ, if you confess it's better to obey him than to obey man, guess what? You've got to live up to that profession and that confession so that it moves from just being, you know, words but now corresponding action because he said, don't be a what? James said, don't be a forgetful hearer, but be a doer of the work. And this is kind of what Peter is up against here. Okay. So let's move here to, to, to close a little bit. And what happens in, in, that, in that process, now you go from being an obedient man who obeys God's word to being a responsible man who lives up to your profession. And here's what happens as a result. Get this now because we're closing right here. It brings you near to God. And see, that's the test. That's the next level of test when you, you, you're brought near to God. Why? Because, see, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you. And see, that's God coming alongside of you, God the Holy Spirit, as a helper, a comforter, you know, a counselor, walking alongside of you. You know, Scripture says he's a paracletos, you know, you know meaning, meaning one that comes alongside. You know, and see, that's God coming near. But guess what has to happen? We have to, too, draw near to him. As he draws near to us, we draw near to him, and we resist the devil. And the devil flees from us. Peter had to resist all of that temptation, just like anybody else. Probably was a time in Peter's life, Pastor Sharon, he gave in to it. Now he has the ability, because the Spirit of God he recognizes with him, and greater is he that's in Peter now than he that's in the world. Peter don't have to fear what man can do to him now. God just freed him from chains, from being bound physically. <clears throat> from being bound spiritually until you spiritually free chains still have a grip on your soul on your heart even though the physical chains have been removed and you're walking out here free but your soul is all bound up and tied up and twisted up in fear and doubt and unbelief and the desire to be, be the, the, the sin continuing in sin but how can you if God set you free you're free indeed. And so we're going to bring it to an end right there, talking about now the obedient man, you know, now becomes a responsible man, and now you're able to draw near to God. And this is where the proof comes in, that people will know that, you're, that God is with you wherever you go, whatever you say. They'll know. You don't have to prove nothing to nobody. All you have to do is be able to, to, to you know, to, to back up your profession and your confession, why you confess him like that. He'll prove to, to people who he is right through you and it comes from abiding in jesus christ as our lord and our savior amen and we're going to end right there father we just thank you we just praise you right now for helping us lord god to be obedient servants that obey your word that we may live responsible lives before you 
living up to our profession and our confession of faith in you, why we love you, why we believe you, why we choose to serve you. And in doing so, Father, you allow us to come near to you and you come near to us. And it's like a, a perfect relationship, the father with the son, the son with the father, the daughter with the father, the, 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 the father with the daughter. We thank you. And Father, we come this morning with respect to this relationship. It is a spiritual relationship, just like it's a physical, natural relationship. And we want to be able, Lord God, to serve you, to honor you in the spirit of truth, in the spirit of your word, as well as we do, God, in the obedience of your word. Yes. We want to keep your law. We want to hide it in our hearts that we don't sin against you, that your word may continue to live in us and, be, and give witness to our spirits, O oh God, that we are the children of God. We are the servants of God. As Peter, Lord, had to testify, the one who denied you three times. The one who you told I pray for you. The one, Lord God, who was baptized in your spirit as he waited in the room with the other hundred and so apostles until they were endued with power. Now we see the power that transformed him. We see the power that changed him. And he's now proven that he knows you by taking a stand, by being an obedient man to your word and telling them it's better to obey God than it is to obey man. He's now being a responsible person for his own profession and confession. And he's now drawing near to God. And so, Father, this is our prayer today, that we pass this test, that we prove that we know you by the things that we say, but more so by the things that we do. As obedient children, obeying your word, keeping your commandments, fearing you, God, walking in your truth, dealing in your truth, speaking your truth, living by your truth, letting your truth make us free. So we give you the praise of going on right now for this word going out, never coming back for it. Thank you for it today. Seal it now, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. All right, then. Well, we're going to end right there this morning from the teaching and bring on Pastor Sharon. And she can begin our comments this morning, followed by our very own Pastor Eric and Pastor Stevens and others after them. Pastor Sharon.